Hi there. I'm Dr. Sarah Wilson, naturopathic doctor, author, practice mentor, researcher, and passionate connector of the dots of health. As the medical director of Advanced Women's Health and the founder of Naturopathic Clinical Mentorship, I help patients and practitioners to deeply understand the connection between hormones and inflammation so that they can improve their most complex health concerns or cases. Advanced Women's Health, the podcast, is a space for practitioners and discerning health consumers to learn about cutting-edge research in the area of women's health. Before we get started, though, let's set the ground rules. This information is not meant to diagnose or treat. I am a doctor, but not your doctor. I completely understand that you're going to want to implement some of these strategies. We are talking about really compelling stuff, but please always do so with a medical practitioner's support. So let's dive in. Welcome back. Today's episode is one that I think is incredibly important that we understand as naturopathic doctors and not a little bit understand, but a lot. Like I think it's very important that NDs get deep in the understanding of acne. And the reason for that is because acne is something that many, many, many of our patients, especially our female patients come in with. It affects people at all different life stages and can be caused by different things at different life stages. And it's something that is associated with a lot of significant whole body concerns. So the, as you'll come to understand, the things that underlie acne can cause many issues um, later in life, if not addressed. It's The skin is always a mirror always a mirror to what's happening on the inside. And so that is one aspect uh, that we need to consider is that what's causing the acne can have bigger implications. But the other side of the equation is that acne affects all aspects of a woman, particularly, but also man's mental health. And it has really stretching impacts. So for example, I had a patient who experienced adult acne and she wouldn't apply for promotions. She wouldn't ask for a raise. She wouldn't put herself out there and really live her maximum life. She wouldn't date. She wouldn't do all of these different things because she was self-conscious and her self-esteem was low and she felt like people didn't value her and her inputs in the world because of the acne that she experienced. And so as much as that there's a lot of things that go into that, right? Because not every person who experiences acne has that same experience. That is something that is very real and that's very modifiable. Uh, this woman went on to pretty much start every visit with, I cannot believe I've helped myself back so badly because her acne was improved. All she was dealing with was scarring um, as we work together kind of towards the end. And now I just see her whenever she needs me, which is my favorite type of relationship. But in that situation, she started to put herself out there. She met an amazing partner. She completely changed careers. And so this to me is just a perfect example of how significant a toll this takes on your life and how you feel about your body. So it's not only health at that point. And so we think of acne typically as a teenage condition. But my passion when I'm dealing with acne and talking about acne is talking about adult acne. Because epidemiological data from Western countries, because to be honest, that's where we see 
a lot of these issues um, with adult acne is that people older than 25 years, um, women older than 25 years have approximately 50% of them struggle with acne and identify as struggling with acne. And so that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But um, I do see a lot of cystic acne in my practice, in especially in that older category. And it's something that never travels in isolation. It always travels with other symptoms, whether it be hormonal symptoms, gut symptoms, weight symptoms, because acne is, by definition, a reflection of all of those things. The one thing that we don't know a lot, or we know, let's be honest, the functional med naturopathic community, we know what contributes acne from a very empirical basis. You get a patient to modify their diet, and then boom, their skin's better. But in the research community, there's not super clear information. And so we are relying on oftentimes small data sets. We are relying on a lack of an understanding of hormonal cycling. Um, There's just not a lot at play there that we can grab onto and be like, perfect, this is it. So this study that recently came out, um, there was a Nutrinet Sante perspective cohort study. So it's not perfect by all means. It's not a case control study, but it was massive. Um, so many people had this study and they essentially looked at the dietary patterns of people and then they investigated it with respect to so many different things. So yes, I like to always discuss limitations of studies when we're going through things. Not everyone is super honest about what they eat. There was no reason to lie in this scenario, to be completely honest. It was just information gathering. It wasn't a case control. They didn't feel like they were involved in an experiment. Um, So aside from people who don't love how they eat and wrote down things differently, um, this information was available. And then it relied on people filling out a questionnaire. So it didn't tell us the different types of acne. It wasn't like, oh, this person is really cystic acne um, and they have hormonal concerns and they have this and they have that. They did rule out a lot of things like PCOS, for example. Um, Anyone who identified as that, they didn't include in this category. But there's limitations always. But the interesting thing that I thought came out of this study, which means that we're not doing our jobs to be completely honest, um, is that only 32,000 people, so 32%, 32,000 people thought that diet affected acne, which I was like, excuse me? 30% of people thought that what they ate affected their acne. That was just absolutely appalling to me. The general public walking around not assuming that food has any impact on their body. Like, excuse me. So, this is where we can have a really significant role. This is where NDs can and functional medicine practitioners and holistic nutritionists can go into the world and be like, hey, y'all, this is the thing. Not only does what you eat affect your waistline, because we all believe that to be true, um, but it also impacts your skin. It impacts your hormones. It impacts all of these things. And this is why whenever anyone anyone has the audacity to me to say to me that a market is saturated. Oh, I could never practice here. The market is saturated. Oh, there's too many NDs or practitioners in the city. I couldn't practice here. I'm like 32%, 32% of people thought that their diet had an impact. Walk into a school, walk into a corporation, walk into any large group and just be like, hey, did you know? And 70% of those people are ready to be your patients. So there is never saturation, 
ever. Um, and everyone has obviously their own unique gifts. Now I'm going business coaching. So I'm going to take a step back and get back into this study. But essentially, people are not believing that diet affected their acne, which is shocking. What we do seem to know from a lot of the medical literature that's available and from our practices, I'm quite sure, is that um, fatty foods affect your acne, milk products affect acne, um, and chocolate is believed to affect acne. So if I mention to you why that happens, the big question that that's the big question, I guess, is why? So why would chocolate, fatty foods, and milk all affect your um, acne? And if you don't know the answer to that question, well, then this is a fantastic learning moment for you. If you do know the answer to your question, congratulations, you've probably taken my course. But um, it is something that we also really, really underestimate in terms of the knowledge behind what's happening. So What's the common denominator between chocolate, fatty foods, and milk? This study talked about the glycemic diet. And so the glycemic diet is essentially an estimation of how much food affects glucose. Because we all know that glucose is a hormone and therefore impacts whole body health. No, 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 no. Glucose doesn't do anything. Glucose is a byproduct of health. How high your glucose is, is a direct response to the hormones that are involved, which is why I use insulin demand diet in terms of understanding better what's happening and understanding how all of these things go together. Because when you look, so they're saying, oh, it could be the glycemic index that's impacting what's what's going on here. But then when you look, the glycemic impact of milk is very low, like it's not significant. And so that just to me was a bit of a laugh because it's actually the insulin demand. So how much insulin is released to deal with these foods that's going to contribute to acne. And the reason for that is because insulin, insulin-like growth factor are going to increase mTOR, which then is going to contribute directly and indirectly um, to androgens elevating um and to a variety of other mechanisms occurring. So when we see those androgens increase, um, whether systemically or locally, this is the fun fact about your skin, right? You can have a local influence. So you can have local stimulation of insulin. You can have local IGF-1 and local androgen production that we don't see systemically, but that still causes cystic acne, that still causes oily skin, um, that causes a lot of sebum production, and an inflammatory process that's happening local to the skin. We also know that when we're looking at a variety of different kind of immunological targets, and when we're looking at the repair systems in the body and how growth is triggered by insulin and inflammation, etc., that you're going to have a proliferation of skin cells. And so when you have, that's a perfect storm for acne, right? When you look at acne, what do they say you have to do? If you're just looking like mainstream, use drying compounds. So use acids um, that help with exfoliation, but they're also drying. So benzoyl peroxides, looking at salicylic acids, that's really what they're doing, right? What you're going to exfoliate your skin. Okay. You're going to work on oil production and try to keep like oil blotting or using anti-oil things. Um, you're going to help to support inflammation on the skin. These are things that different mechanisms that we are looking at. And it's literally because when you have increased sebum production for bacteria to feed on, and I guess antibacterials, even though we know that's kind of crap, but 
you've got increased oil production, increased sebum production, right? Bacteria are going to go to town on that. You've got increased inflammation from the bacteria and from the signaling that's happening. And then you have increased androgens causing the cystic nature of what's going on. You have that perfect storm, plus you've got increased replication of cells, which are then going to clog your pores and contribute to even more opportunities. So, when we eliminate those stimulating foods, that's when we're going to see the magic of what's possible with changing food and skin health. So what this study showed, which again, they were just looking at diet diaries and relating it to acne, is that those who had adult acne had significantly more milk consumption. They had more sugary beverages. They had more milk chocolate. They had more snacks, I do not love snacking. Um, (laughs) They had more snacks and fast food. And then they had more fatty and sugary products. So when we look at that, milk, milk, chocolate, snacking, fast foods, fatty, sugary foods, welcome to the insulin bomb. All of those foods are very, very insulin stimulating. And so obviously to me, that is going to equate to issues with skin. Um, They also showed that they consumed less meat, less fish, less vegetables, less fruit, and less dark chocolate. Therefore, we can all have chocolate. (laughs) Moral of this story, dark chocolate should not make your skin break out. Um, But these are just different things that we are looking at in terms of what's contributing. So again, when we, we can expand this with our understanding of insulin and how insulin is stimulated. So we can say, okay, looking at different things here, what is going on? And so one thing I am going to say, because I do run extensive testing in my practice with all of my patients pretty much, um, and one of the things that comes up that's outside of just insulin signaling in general is that oftentimes my patients, not always, but often, do with acne and with significant adult acne also have really high glucose in response um, to a meal or a challenge. And so when they have that high level of glucose present, we're also going to see more issues with oxidative stress um, and damage to the microcirculatory system because anytime glucose is going high after a meal, you are going to see issues. Um, We even have seen, and I might actually talk about this study, but they have showed that diabetes, quote unquote, of the hair follicle is something that causes hair loss. So high levels of glucose and insulin stimulation in hair follicle, and specifically they talked about glucose, um, can and does contribute to hair loss. And so that's outside of just the hormonal environment that's also looking at the oxidative stress pathways that happen um, when glucose levels are high. So this high glucose is also something that we need to consider just as a side note, not just insulin, because you can have high levels of insulin and completely normal glucose. Um, That can happen for sure, but not always. And so in that situation, if you're even looking at HbA1c and it's high, then that's something that can definitely cause acne and you can start to educate around that. So all in all, when we're looking at acne and when we're looking at this dietary assumption of what's going on, knowing what foods and knowing what mechanisms are likely contributing to acne, the big question that I always like to raise and pose for you guys is do we need to put a patient on a detox when they have acne? And how much do we need to consider the impacts of just estrogen and progesterone in 
what's going on with someone's skin. Because arguably, we all know this, if someone has issues with estrogen and progesterone balance, they don't always have issues with their skin. And so the reason why you not be may not be getting results is because you're missing the underlying mechanism. When it comes to liver quote unquote detoxification, that is something that I see patients put on all of the time for their acne. Like I mean all of the time. And I would say it's 50-50 where people get significantly worse um, versus see any improvement. And the improvements that are there are not long-standing. And so I'm not here to say or pretend in any way that acne is not contributed to by liver health or the toxic impacts of what goes in our body or the imbalance between a body's ability to get crap out and intake stuff. So I'm not pretending that, but what I want you to think about is less like, should I throw milk thistle at an acne patient and more, why would the liver be involved in this mechanism? And so when we're looking at that, okay, can we have a mismatch between phase one, phase two, and even phase three um, metabolism of all these different toxins and xenoestrogens, et cetera, and even just natural byproducts of health? Yes, we can. But what's the outcome of that? Why is that important to understand? It's important to understand because we're looking at oxidative stress. And so is oxidative stress the mechanism? And is their liver health the last drop in the bucket potentially? The other thing we need to consider is it actually the liver that we need to understand. So for example, we know that liver health and the acute phase reactants that come out of the liver dramatically affect skin. So that's something for sure. Um, We also know that your liver and the way it works in terms of bile synthesis and metabolism and excretion is very important. But is it important to the skin directly or is it a byproduct through understanding insulin signaling and glucose signaling and the gut microbiome? And that's the big question that I guess you guys have to ask yourself. I know the answer. (laughs) Well, I pretend, right? But at the end of the day, I don't know anything. Um, The human body changes. The human body is the most intelligent, miraculous thing. And I'm sure that I will listen to this podcast in 20 years and laugh at myself for thinking that I even potentially understood some of these mechanisms because we're constantly doing our best and research is constantly evolving, which is also why I think it's really important that our practices evolve, right? How I practice when I started is very different than how I practice now because research has evolved and I've always done my best in the situation that I was in and I believe we're all doing our best with the information we have but I also believe that we need to constantly evolve our knowledge so that we can provide the best treatment options for patients that is why I think more and more people are coming into the complementary and alternative world because in order to be really really fantastic at your job historically, um, you needed to have a very specific wisdom and a very specific training. And I'm talking about like way back in the day, right? Like if you're an herbalist, you can be an absolute healer. You can do so many good things in the world, but you needed to have a very specific understanding and knowledge. Um, And oftentimes that's passed down and shared within families, et cetera. And now that's not the situation, right? Now we can go online and we can do research and we can come to understand very effective treatments that again, the healers are probably laughing at us being like, I knew this forever ago. What are you talking about? Just listen to me. But 
their research is allowing it to become more mainstream and people to understand it more. And I think that's why we are going to con- see consistently over the next few decades, especially after what's happening right now, um, more and more and more people wake up to the fact that they can be healthy and that health is defined differently than the medical system defines it. And I realize that I'm going on a significant tangent right now. Um, but I guess the moral of the story is that there are things that traditionally we are told help to support acne. And I'm not here to say that they don't, but I am here to say that we need to better understand the mechanisms and see if there's a different way we can go about it. If you are not having success with acne doing detoxification treatments, or you're seeing what I see, which is 50-50, or you're doing hormonal modification treatments for estrogen progesterone, and you're not getting where you want to go, and you're wondering why, then oftentimes this is where I challenge you. Instead of just saying, okay, this patient is not responsive to my treatment, to say, you know what, okay, this treatment should work, but it's not working. Or this treatment works sometimes, but it's not. What's the other underlying mechanisms that I can come to understand? And I know I don't need to preach to the choir because you guys are here because you're interested in that. You're here because you want more evidence and you're just trying to figure out the time to incorporate it into your practice, which is the hardest piece of all the puzzles. Um, But it is just really, really important to consider mechanism and never outgrow your why state right? So to constantly be like, okay, this works sometimes. Why? This works sometimes. Why? What else is going on here? What other testing can I do to give this patient information? Because sometimes I see, well, all the time, I see that practitioners spend six to 12 months helping someone or trying to help someone with treatment. And then they end up in my office and they've not gotten better. And they're like, okay, well, I just spent all this money and on supplements and time and seeing this person and I'm not getting better. And I don't know why I'm trying it with everything I have. And I'm like, okay, cool. Show me the test results that they did with you. And there's nothing. So even if you don't love testing and you think, okay, it's too expensive for patients, whatever, please intervene with testing if you're not getting results right off the bat. And if you don't know what testing to do, ask a friend, (laughs) attend one of my life labs webinars, do what you got to do. But it's, we have to intervene at some point with more and more investigative testing in order to provide our patients the experience they want in order to grow busy practices and in order to ride the wave of everyone who wants the complementary and alternative health. At least that's my opinion. Everyone's going to have different opinions. I respect you for yours. That's what I see. I've now grown multiple practices um, using these methods, and I do see that there's a hunger for it and desire for it. So wrapping that up in a bow, because man, oh man, did I go off on a tangent. Acne is something that is very important to treat if you have a women's health practice, I think. It's very important to thoroughly understand. It's very important to understand how to thoroughly test it and all of your different treatment options. So dietary is a big one. As we saw in this study, high sugar, high fat foods, fatty foods in general, milk, chocolate, not dark not dark. All of these things are going to have a really big impact. And obviously, if someone's eating healthy, they're going to have many, many benefits in all aspects of their health, their hormones, their cognitive function, their waistline, their lipid profiles, their cardiovascular health, their gut health, all of these things are going to benefit. So you're getting them in the door because you're saying, I can treat your aesthetics and I can deal with the thing that's bringing down your self-esteem and really having a massive impact on your feeling of worth. But I'm also going to make you healthier for the rest of your life, potentially. And that's the magic in what we do is that we can give them what they want, but we can also do what we want too, which is help them be healthy and help them be the best versions of themselves. 
So I hope that was helpful in your understanding and just even a confirmation of food does definitely affect acne. Foods that we typically have thought of and been trained affect acne and why, right? So it's not the glycemic index. We're not looking necessarily at glucose. Glucose levels can be raised, but why is that the case? Is that incretin signaling involved? Is there a gut microbiome component? Because there is a massive gut microbiome component. I didn't get into that too much today, but there is a direct link between certain species of the gut microbiome, between metabolic endotoxemia, which again plays into the insulin mechanism, um, to the inflammatory response and oxidative stress in the body, liver health. All of that can go back to the microbiome, so we can't ignore that. But all of these things are things that we need to consider and test and implement when we are treating acne in our practices. Because you better bet when you get someone's skin significantly better, if not almost all the way there within a three-month period of time, they are going to be your number one fans. And you can really go home at night with that satisfaction that you've made a really big difference in probably someone's whole family health, which is so fantastic, or their whole friend group. So please, please start to understand acne. Advertise that you treat acne because so many people don't know that this is an option, right? They're spending so much money on topical products um, and all of these facials and chemical peels and all of these things, and they don't even know that you're out there as an option. So advertise that you treat it, treat it, treat it well, change lives, and until next time, be well. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I would love a review because that is how more people find out about us and ultimately get well. If you are a medical practitioner and you're interested in taking one of my courses to learn how to implement these research strategies, see naturopathicmentorship.com. If you're a patient, we have a couple of options. I can try to hook you up with one of my trained practitioners Or alternatively, if you have a practitioner you love, I do offer one-on-one consults about your case to support that practitioner in learning further. For more information on these strategies, see the show notes. And finally, if you just want to keep in touch, I am always active on Instagram and Facebook, and I look forward to connecting with you there. Have a great day and be well.